Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. So kind of moving along here, um, are the commands of Scripture that you see for a Christian in the New Testament that, or, and I'm going to have to reread this because I'm struggling through this one because we had to rewrite it. Uh, I apologize to our audience here. Dan, why don't you ask it? Because you're the one who wrote it. <laughs> well, are there <laughs> commands in Scripture that you see for the Christian in the New Testament that cannot be fulfilled in any other way than through the local church? Yeah. Is that clear? Yeah, so the question being uh, commands that we have in Scripture um, that we cannot fulfill them unless we're a part of the church. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> yeah. So I think some of it, um, that's a really good question. I think the answer is yes, because even the the designation for um, – how the church is is to function, whereby the church um, has pastors and elders. If you're not involved in the church, you can't function under that scenario mm-hmm. at all. You're removing yourself from that scenario entirely. Right. Um, you know, and in Timothy, Timothy calls us back to the church, and he says, "Which is, you know, God's God's chosen instrument." Um, and so, I think that whole structure is there. I think about also how do you practice the sacraments? How do you practice communion and baptism if you're outside of the church? That's yeah, a right. Uh, baptism certainly could be done, but I think that's an interesting thing to think about. Those right. are those are some, um, you know, <laughs> I think about marriage, but you can't practice that outside of the church. Um, you know, I wouldn't. But it is attached that, to the church. But it is attached to the church. You know, and marriage is that that's the only covenantal relationship um, that we're going to have on on this side of glory, you know, outside of Christ. And so that's a very significant thing that we should be practicing within the context of the church. So those are some of the things that come to my mind. What about yeah. this idea of submitting? Because the scripture tells us to submit to one another. Is that one that's hard to do? I, yeah, I mean, I don't. I feel like if you were, if I wasn't, I'll speak for myself. If I'm not a part of the church, then I would think I'm still choosing to be my own compass, my own authority to a degree, because then I'm con- going to continue to choose kind of whom and how I interact without submitting myself to the authority structure that yeah. is the church. I, there, there are those who'd argue that well, I can. Get with two or three guys. We can take communion, or you know, we can find a pond somewhere, and and you can't, and you know, and baptize someone, uh, but and you can. Those things can be done. It can be done. They can be scripturally done. Can be done in a scriptural context, no, New Testament I think context. The, and those, I agree with you, Charles, completely that those can be done. But I just think that's more a spirit of a of an exception yeah. than a rule. Mm. That's how I view that. Oh, you know? no one. Agree stronger than I do. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've all had this conversation yeah. outside of this room in many yeah. occasions. That's yeah. not a trick question trying to get you to switch your position. No, as, as a friend and brother, I know that you, uh, you affirm that. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I just think about discussions I've had with friends who maybe were on the fence on this issue, you know. Yeah. And as we were discussing, one of the things that I've just challenged them with or maybe just kind of brought out is that we talk about the church a lot, kind of that general aspect of the church. But the problem with that is, is I can't be the church, all the things that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. I can't be that to the guy in England or in the third world country or 
Russia or anywhere. I can't be that because I'm not there. Mm-hmm. But in Amazon, Indiana, yeah. with the body that I have found here where there's faithful preaching, I can be the church with him. I just can't. And when I become a member, it's not like joining a country club. And I think that's the problem. And the book membership that I mentioned brings that out. It's, it's it, you know, we're, we're not just joining a country club. We're just saying this is who we're going to be, and we want all of you to keep me accountable or us accountable to that. Yeah, I think of a child dedication. What's a child dedication? What do they say? They say we're committing to if there's 50 of you or 5,000 of you, we want to raise raise this child on the fear and admonition of the Lord, and we want all of you to pray for us and watch us do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's, that's you're submitting you're, you're submitting yourself to that, um, and so that's just a simple example that all of us see all the time. But do we really think about what it is? What it is is a beautiful example of the positive connotation of authority. That's what it right. is. Of that principle that's throughout Scripture. Throughout Scripture. That's one one thing I think a, a victory that society's had is with words like authority, like responsibility, hmm. like duty. These are, from a biblical basis, these are incredibly positive, joyful, meaningful, significant words. If we were thinking about how our life matters, how we're going to draw significance, joy, peace, we ought to look first and foremost at things that call us to be under authority, that call us to duty, that call us to responsibility. These are things that are good. They Mm. are good. But society tells us to run from any of the things that call us towards these virtues and to sprint towards where we get to decide what's best. And so I think these are things that we have to fundamentally turn on our head when we're thinking about them. And it just, to me, directly informs the discussion of the church because with the discussion of the church you want to run towards joyfully authority responsibility and duty now somebody might come to you and say alex i hear what you're saying but i've been hurt by the church i've mm-hmm. been hurt by institutions i've been hurt by authority and i just can't trust anymore mm-hmm. you know i mean i've seen that I've, you know sure. i've experienced it personally in my own life so so i know there's people out there asking that what do you say to them yeah, I'd say first of all, I'm very sorry, and I know that it happens because it does. The right. church has More than it the church has wounded, uh, is wounding, and uh, a wound that comes inside the four walls is is hard to deal with. And so the first thing I would say is I'm sorry, uh, but assuming I have a relational b- bridge that can bear this right. weight, the next thing I would say is it does. It still doesn't call what we're we are asked to do in terms of obedience and faithfulness um you know so let's talk about what we need to do to to heal that wound to work on that but we don't want to turn our back on the church you know in perpetuity yeah just you know you think about mothers and fathers who are not faithful doesn't mean you shouldn't have good faithful fathers and mothers anything of that nature that's authoritative in nature that we see in scripture just because the sin has destroyed it or maybe tainted it doesn't make it wrong and I think we have to to understand that. Anything else to add on that, Dan? No, I just I think sometimes it is human nature to find an excuse to not do what is hard to do. Hmm. And I used the word excuse, thought about it before I said it. It, it. But it's not. It's more than a reason. An excuse is that which give me a gives me a sense of entitlement or rightness about a wrong decision. 
And so our, our commitment is to the authority of Scripture first, which then points us to the church, to Christ and His church. And, and if we've been hurt, then we need to deal with the hurt. You know, We have to confront the hurt, and we have to do it biblically in no better place than in the body of Christ. That's where the means are. Yeah. You've already kind of touched on this a little bit, Alex, in regards to we have a disdain for authority. But I'm going to bring up another aspect. We also have a disdain for institutions, especially traditional ones. And we kind of have a disdain for tradition, if you will. So since that's kind of the cultural norm, um, how should the church respond to this attitude, and how can we strengthen the local church in such an environment? So if we if we know that's a problem in our culture, and we in the younger generation maybe uh, could be struggling with that, maybe even older generation, how do we – as a church, respond to this attitude? How do we strengthen and bolster it? So, yeah, I kind of take that in two questions. One one question, tradition. Two qu- second question, institutions. Um, you know, and tradition is an interesting thing because um, tradition, by definition, quietly, it quite simply is a tradition, okay? It's just something We've that has— We've always done it. You've always done it. It's carried on. Um, it doesn't— in and of itself, def- as a definition, carry any particular significance. Um, it's just something you've always done. And I think right now in our moment, sort of the, the conscience of our society um, would like to think that we're very enlightened. Um, and so th- I think a lot of the rebuff towards tradition is the thought, quite simply, that we're smarter than past generations. And, you know, we have technology and we have this and we have that, and we're charting a new course. Um, and so first I would just call to humil- humility to say, do you really think that you're much smarter, you know, than that guy or gal in 1920s or in 1850s? Because I just really don't think we are. Um, but I would say the first is just the call to hu- humility that there is a lot to be learned uh, from the past, which is kind of what we tie to tradition. Um, there's a lot to learn from those who have journeyed before us um, and what they've encountered and what they've they've learned to do. Um, and so I would just first call to humility in terms of tradition um, instead of thinking that we know better. Right. Um, and then institutions, I think <laughs> now you're going you're gonna to force me to reflect at least to a small extent on society on that too, at least Alex's view, which will not get you a $5 cup of coffee. <laughs> um, but I think some of it's distrust. Um, um, from society and from um, our government, political figures. And I think there's just an air of distrust Mm -hmm. that is out there. Um, But then I'm going to go back to my theme. I think the second part of that is authority. Again, wanting this idea of your truth, my truth. I get to define what I want to do and how I want to do it. Um, And even the very... Um, amazingly, but the very simple definition of truth is totally under assault, that something is just true. There's not sides around it. There's not sides around it. There's not discussion around it. It's just true. That's under assault. People don't think that that is true. I don't know how else to talk about it, okay? But I think that's something... At least they believe it's true that truth is not true. They believe it's true that truth is relative, but by definition, then that's not true. Right. But that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> right. But yeah. I think that rolls into institutions um, because institutions typically stand for a set of virtues, a stand of ideals. Um, there's a standard associated with an institution. So in that case, the implication for the church would be what? How do how do we bolster against that or or with that? I should say. Well, the the humility piece, um, calling to humility and looking at traditions. So that's a that's a biblical principle, right? I think. 
think of the Great right. Commission, going and making disciples, what, what's that functionally mean? That means that you ought to be receiving wisdom from somebody older than you, and you ought to be giving wisdom to somebody younger from younger than you, and that never changes. Um, and so that's a humility piece to say that my whole life, all the days I walk, I both don't have it all figured out, and I need to help somebody else. Um, and so I think about that, and then an institution for the church, I think that goes back to, Daniel, the question you asked where a lot of people have hurt. Um, and so I think getting past this idea of just because it hurt me, it's therefore bad. Um, and it's not therefore bad. Um, it's good. But I think the best remedy for that and the church um, is for the members of the church to be faithful. Mm. How much full circle here now. How much more opportunity and momentum would the church in America have if the in the if the church in America has been and will be more faithful? Mm. Mm. You know, I also think we just when you go back to your true comment or what is truth, we need to preach truth. And that goes to the faithfulness. Just be faithful to preach the truth. Um, because the truth will set you free. I know we it's kind of an overused phrase, you know, but it's true. <laughs> Anything else on that, Dad? Any other further questions? No, I think we'll get into a little more when we get to yeah. our next question. Well, we're almost done here, and so as we wrap up, kind of what we're looking at is obviously what is true. We should be part of the local church because that is true. But they're still working with people. There's still challenges within the local church. So we have this Pareto principle this 80-20 principle where, you know, 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. Um, and and I, th- I, I see that even in our own church sometimes. You know, you just see oh, people who are overused. And we it keep just going to the same people. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. We keep going to the same people. And, you know, eventually somebody says no, <laughs> hopefully for their own sanity. But what can or should be done to reverse this and to make the church membership meaningful to the average church member? So people come in. They attach themselves. They've done what we've talked about. How do we, as a church body, local, let's just use Westwood, for instance, because that's where we're at. How do we set the standard that we are all going to be involved? Yeah, um, that's a big question. There's, I know. There's it's lots, lots of, of parts to that. There's lots of answers <laughs> and to that. And we've got eh, just a few minutes left. Um, so the first part of that, I think it will always be that way to an extent. Right. And I think the principle there um, is the shepherd and the sheep, right? So a biblical uh, principle and analogy is that of a shepherd and the sheep. That's a, a theme of the Bible. And I would practically say that fleshes out in terms of there's always a whole lot more sheep than there is a shepherd. So leaders are always going to do an unequal amount, um, you know, comparative to um, everybody that attends a church. I just mean, they're as, leaders after all, just, right? Yeah, they're Especially leaders. Especially if yeah. their full-time endeavor is ministry. Yeah. yeah. So there, there's an element of which this is always going to be the case to some extent. Um, but then the question is, how can we improve it? How can we make it some better? Um, and some of that goes into church mechanics, um, like membership. You know, for somebody to become a member, do then you require them to participate in some ministry in some way or to teach at any capacity they have to be a member or to get in a small group, uh, to be a small group leader, they have to be a member. Right. Some of that's church mechanics. Maybe that can be discussed. Um, and then, I'll, But then functionally, my first answer, because I think it's the most ready answer, and I think it's the one that our day, our moment now is hungry for, is hospitality. I think people are hungry for authentic, genuine engagements um, in this time of fragmented, confused chaos. That's so true. And so I think 
doing what we can do to have people over at our house. And yes, I'll just go ahead and encourage everyone. If you have people over your house, you're going to have them over 10 times the one time they're going to reciprocate. Um, it does. It's not a one-to-one, but that's okay. You keep doing that. You keep asking them and build those relationships. And then I think small groups, I think small groups are just a fundamentally fantastic way to get people plugged into the church because a lot of people want a, a level of relationship, a level of comfort, um, before they get plugged in. They just don't quite feel at ease until they have some level of community built. Um, And then the last piece that I would say um, that we can do better as a church is ask people. I think Mm. there's a good amount of folks who, if they're simply asked, hey, we think you'd be great in a greeter, or we think you'd be great in the nursery, whatever it is, I think it means a lot to them to just simply be asked, and not in an email, not in a text, a human-to-human interaction, affirm their gifting, and just simply ask them. So those would be some of my thoughts. Yeah. That's interesting. A few years ago, a particular young man in the church who's now married and has children uh, was really hungry for some genuine fellowship. And I mean, the kind of, that requires accountability and and exhortation and, and vulnerability. And I remember Daniel talking with him. He he was just kind of struggling with that whole issue, and and Daniel told him, uh, and I've thought of this response several times since. He said, "You're going to have to become the tr- the truth you want to see, and um, if you wait for the rest of the church to get hospitable, if you wait for other people to do what they're supposed to do, you're going to have a long wait." Uh, and uh, the other thing that comes up is, and I I made a note earlier. You mentioned when you came to Westwood, you just wanted to be a faithful church member. Tell me a little bit about – tell us a little bit about what what is a faithful church member, and does that look the same year after year? What what? So what you're saying is, is does it grow from just being faithful to <clears throat> actually the doing, which we – Yeah. Does, does your faithfulness change over time? Mm. Does it evolve? Yeah, it's interesting um, that both of you kind of keyed, keyed in on that. Um, you know, and for me, the more context to when I made that statement was had been in the church for a while and had been, you know, had some development opportunities with different ministries and things. And I just didn't want to be, because this is something I've seen, I just didn't want to be uh, an individual who walks into a church and the first thing you do is raise your hands and say, I can help. You know, I just don't think that's fundamentally the right, right disposition. In some sense, you have to prove yourself to the it, body, too. Well, there is, but I think it's even more just about, you know, just being low low in spirit and just saying, right. you know, at the end of the day at church, I'm coming here to get my soul helped. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. here to say, now here I am so we can do ministry. Yeah. Um, and so wanting to change that, that disposition, and but I think it does change over time. So in the beginning, when you say, I just want to be a faithful member, I believe that re- that is requires some just practical steps. Uh, one is you're going to faithfully attend church um, on Sundays unless you're out of town or you know somebody in your family is sick. Not the sniffles, you know, sick. 
Um, and then I, I believe also you got to join a small group. That's a way to get plugged into a church, um, begin to be known, begin to develop relationships. You know, it's hard for people to invite you over for a barbecue um, if you're just showing up on Sundays because not that many people are really going to know you. It's hard. Especially uh, a church of any size. You know, church, it's hard. It's difficult. So small group is a way that you begin to sort of work your way into a, a social structure, and I think that's really important. Um, and then I show up as, as many of the church functions as you can and that requires something. That requires to where you say, for my household, this is unequally important. We're going to say yes to church on a significantly higher ratio than we say yes to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It might be, you know, it might be work, and it might be my parents. But other it than that, sports. Church, but other than that, yeah. church is what I say yes to the most. Yeah. The the rest of the list is after that. Um, and so that's just a disposition. That doesn't sound like much, but that is an um, intentional heart position that a household comes to, and that changes a lot. When you come to that place as a household and you say, this is what it means to us, it changes a lot. Um, and so I think that's those are some of the things where it begins, and then you also have to, um, you, if you're not in a discipleship um, situation, you need to become discipled by somebody. So those are the core of what I would list. You faithfully attend, you join a small group, you show up to as many of the events as you can, again, giving yourself more and more chances to develop community, and then you get in a discipleship um, situation where you are being discipled by somebody. And those are the same suggestions that my wife and I tell all the young couples that join our small group. That's that's what we say. And I would say to answer your last question, Charles, does it change over time? Yes. It does. Um, you know, if you're doing that, if you're doing those then. things, and you have a, a humble disposition, um, and the years roll by, the church is going to notice you. It's going to happen, and they're going to ask you to consider to do more, more things and different things. And that's up for you and your wife and your heart and the Holy Spirit to discern what's right and what's to do. Yeah, I'm not sure how close we're on time here, but uh, we're pretty tight. But go ahead. Um, something came to mind as you said that. Well, this is going to have to be a heart issue. It's going to be something that we come to, and it means it becomes um, a priority for us. But my observation is, and this this brings the theme around back to some things we, we talked about in other podcasts under this whole roles issue, is that, is that you come to that, your family came to that, because you came to that. Mm. It... it Men have to step up and say, this is where we're going. This is our life. The body of Christ is our people. And and if our God will be their God, and we will be their people. And, and I, th- I think that's true. Is it not? Am I wrong? Am I, I mean, you did it by yourself. You and your wife have a relationship. You grow together. Do you talk about things? But the man said, this is our home. This is us. I think that's men need to take that to heart. Yeah, you, you're not. What I hear you saying, and what I want to affirm is, a household doesn't take that position by the leader of the household, the man being passive. Mm. Yeah, it, not it, exactly. It, that doesn't happen. There has to be an intentional, active role in. Yeah, he didn't have to say, "My cranky, you gonna do what I tell you." That's not the point. Yeah, and I would encourage too, like. To, for a for a husband and a father to, to assume that leadership position and just simply say, from this day forward, church is going to be important to us. Just as simply to say yeah. that, and we're going to do that. You do not have to be inordinately holy. 
You don't have to have your whole life cleaned up. Uh, you don't have to have the Bible memorized. Or a seminary degree. Uh, you don't have to have a seminary degree. <laughs> or be theologically astute. You don't have to be discipled by somebody. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be on a first-name basis with the pastor. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is thank the Lord that your heart is now mm-hmm. realizing we need to go to church. That's, that's the only thing you need to do, and then you just got to be about doing it. And then yeah. you'll grow. And, yeah. and, and keep doing it. Yeah. And keep doing it. Do it and keep doing it. So, um, you know, what are things that we can do to help the church? You know, we can be faithful. And then when we find ways to be faithful, the next thing to encourage uh, somebody is do more of that. You hey, be faithful. Hey, that was good. <laughs> yeah, do more right. of that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, do more yeah, of that. Yeah. Um, but that's it's a progressive really thing. Yeah. yeah. Man, well, this has been good, gentlemen. I, I love these conversations, and I've loved all of our conversations in regards to the people we've had on because they've just been more personal and organic and so alex thank you today for joining us and giving your time you're very busy i know you are and you, your family's busy and has a lot going so but thank you for just your faithfulness yep. amen yeah. yeah i uh i said it even even this just this past week but my wife and i we feel you know just a love for the church itself and so you guys asking me to talk on this topic i just appreciate it, it is a particular um, love that we have absolutely amen thank the lord well, gentlemen, y'all have a good rest of the day. And to our audience and listeners, thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org, where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter, at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk the gospel for today and beyond. Mm-hmm.